I think I'm going to use this because uh, I can't clap in time to the music and I can't pace in time to my speaking either. So. <laughs> when uh, our Lord was on earth, one of the uh, topics that he spoke a lot was coming back. And it's not hard to imagine why, because he loved his disciples, he loved the people, and uh, the disciples were also anxious to have him return. And uh, in the early church, that was also a very regular topic of conversation, was the return of the Lord. And then, as a matter of fact, the early church expected that he would come in their time. So uh, yeah, that wasn't in his plan for him to come that soon. And by the time the fourth century rolled around and the uh, Roman government had uh, adopted Christianity as the state religion, the uh, return of the Lord wasn't spoken of as much anymore, and it became less and less of a topic because the church became far more comfortable. And uh, it eventually became the government through the, uh, what we call the Dark Ages. It's sort of interesting that the rule of the church was the Dark Ages, but uh, they had wandered far, far away from the word of the Lord. And uh, it wasn't really uh, until about 40 years ago when the, uh, this whole idea of the Lord's return started to enter the consciousness of the people again. And uh, some of you might remember uh, a book called The Late Great Planet Earth written by a fellow called Hal Lindsey. It became a, a bestseller and the uh, New York Times called it the most significant nonfiction work of the decade. It's still a bestseller. And uh, although uh, he's had the, uh, Hal Lindsey I'm speaking of, has had a chance to revise some of his uh, interpretations because at that time the Soviet Union and the United States were the two world superpowers and uh, the, uh, the events of the revelation, he wove them heavily into it and Nowadays, of course, the Soviet Union has faded into history, and the U.S. is in the process of doing that. And so the uh, interpretations change just a little bit. But still in all, uh, it reawakened the uh, uh, particularly secular world to this idea that the Lord was, was indeed coming again. And uh, today, I just want to look at uh, what Jesus said about uh, these things because uh, you, you uh, all know the story of how Jesus entered into Jerusalem and the people uh, welcomed him uh, with great excitement as he rode in and they were spreading the palm branches on, on the road in front of him and everything and uh, how quickly that jubilation turned to scorn and they asked for his crucifixion and in that week when he was in Jerusalem, he went to the temple and uh, the, uh, he confronted the Pharisees there and uh, the, uh, they were just so far away from knowing God. And even though they were the religious leaders of the time, they had for, they really forsaken the word of God in very many ways. And, and you know, uh, when he left the temple uh, after one of his visits there, he had spoken about the, the woe that was to come on Israel. And, and he tells the Pharisees, I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
And uh, this is the this reference uh, goes back to the prophecies of uh, uh, Zechariah and, and uh, all of the other prophets, really, because they all said that the day would come when the Lord would return and Israel would finally recognize him as a savior and they would realize uh, that he was indeed their Messiah. And, you know, we, we live in a, an interesting period of time because so many of the prophecies that were uh, spoken by the prophets of old have been fulfilled and are being fulfilled. And so when they leave the temple, uh, it says in verse chapter 24, beginning at, the, at verse 1, it says, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its building. So the disciples uh, were impressed because the temple was quite a magnificent structure. And uh, when the Israelites had returned from captivity and they built it, 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 a lot of them were disappointed because it was nothing near as grand as the temple that Solomon had built. But King Herod had poured a great amount of wealth into renovating the place and upgrading it and making it one of the most splendid buildings in all of the known world at that time. And the uh, disciples said to Jesus, look at this magnificent place. What a, what a gorgeous building. And uh, the, uh, so then the Lord said, do you see all these things? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And uh, we know, of course, that that happened in 70 AD when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and they completely laid the place in ruin. And the uh, temple is still in ruin. They've uh, excavated one wall, and that's where the Israelites go to cry about their lost history. And and it's called the Wailing Wall, and uh, the place is still in ruin. Uh, We we also know that uh, all of the materials needed to rebuild the temple are in place and they're just waiting for the opportunity to build a new temple. And we also know that there will be a temple during the time of the tribulation. So uh, it'll be a bit of a barn-raising type of build when uh, when everything is ready to go and uh, they'll be able to put it together fairly quickly. It says that... As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, and, and, and now the disciples are disturbed by this, uh, what Jesus said about the temple. And they said, tell us, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they asked him several things here. They said, when will the temple be destroyed? What will be the signs of your return? And when will be the end of the age? Uh, when you read the book of Revelation, you find it's also broken into three parts. Three, uh, maybe I should explain a little bit. We uh, use the Arabic number system where we have the digits one, two, three, four, five, and so on. Uh, that didn't exist in Bible, in Bible times. They use words and letters to denote numbers. And uh, the number three was the number of God. The the uh, the word of God or the name of God was also the number three. And uh, this is, there are three parts to this. And there are three parts to the book of Revelation. The first part is the vision that John has seen. The second part is what is now. And the third part is what is to come. It helps us to understand that when we look at these things. This chapter also has three divisions. And uh, the first 
uh, question Jesus answers is uh, what uh, is what's going to happen right now in the immediate future, which, and he's talking about the destruction of the temple. They, and Jesus answers, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many, and uh, there will be wars and rumors of wars, but see that you are not alarmed. This is uh, sort of written for the church because we live through times of war and strife and uh, uh, you know, people uh, claiming to be Christ. We had a, a case not long ago where a pastor from California said that the uh, Lord would return in Times Square in New York and he gathered his faithful there and nothing happened, which is totally predictable because he said that's not how it's going to be. And uh, the, uh, we're not supposed to be deceived by those things. We're not supposed to be drawn into uh, all of these teachings. And over the period uh, uh, from when the, you know, from the, about the fourth century to now and even now, uh, many, many ideas have come up about how the end times will be. There are all kinds of uh, different views and opinions on it, and they proliferate all the time. And the, and the Lord says, don't be drawn in by any of this stuff. Just go, stick with what the Bible tells us. It says, nations will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, earthquakes in various places. He says, all of these things are the beginning of birth pains, but this is not the tribulation. And there's even some people that uh, claim that we're already through the tribulation and we're in the millennium. And uh, it's, uh, there hasn't been a terribly big distinction in my mind between tribulation and millennium in that case because things aren't going all that well now either. He says, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And this happened to the disciples. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. And this is something that's going on to this very day. I, I was reading about the United Nations and uh, there was some trouble going on in Syria. And uh, the United Nations were debating on how they were going to curb Israel's aspirations. What on earth are they there for? Here you have... Uh, a, a, a government killing their people and the United Nations are, are condemning Israel. They weren't involved in that scrap. They weren't even talking about that. And so uh, the, the, this whole thing that we read here that the nations hate Israel, uh, we, we see that at play today. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And we see that going on all around us. I mean, this is today. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And uh, the, uh, you know, the Lord admonishes Israel to stand firm. Because in this passage the Lord is talking to the Israelites. He's talking to the disciples, but uh, he's talking about Israel. Uh, uh, the, the Gospels, the four Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew was written specifically to Israel, and Mark and Luke were written specifically to the Greeks and the Romans, and, and the Gospel of John was written to the church. So the, uh, uh, there's something to help you keep these uh, things in order. So now he moves on to the time that's still to come. He says, when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, 
spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. And now he's talking about the Antichrist in the tribulation and the new temple. It says, he's told them in the beginning, this temple will be flattened. There won't be one stone upon another. And now he's talking about an abomination of desolation uh, standing in the holy place in the temple, uh, uh, making himself out to be God. He says, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. And he says, when this comes, these will be terrible, terrible times. And uh, flee into the wilderness, get away. And uh, this is a time that still lies before Israel. That's sort of interesting uh, because right now, uh, you, you probably remember not long ago there was an election in Egypt and a fellow called Morsi was elected as the... Uh, as the leader of Israel, and he's uh, a member of the, uh, a group called the, Islam, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood. And in one of his campaign speeches, he said that the, uh, the new caliphate, which is uh, during the Ottoman Empire, which reigned through the Dark Ages and up until the uh, World Wars, there was a caliph who was the leader of the Muslim world, and his headquarters was in uh, Turkey, in Istanbul, which is also called Constantinople. And uh, in this speech, he said the, the, there will be a new caliph, the caliphate will be reestablished, and it will rule the world from Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem uh, is the city of David, and uh, that's where the throne of David is. And Jesus says that he will rule the world from Jerusalem. So we have two contenders for that throne. Uh, it's not hard to imagine how that will turn out. But uh, the, there is a, 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 a real uh, uh, march toward uh, an atta- another attack on Israel. There have been a number of them over the years. And uh, the, uh, this is all winding up again. The uh, Egyptians have moved their tanks to the Israeli border and uh, the uh, uh, Iran, I think every other day he does a rant against Israel. And they're getting ready to uh, engage in this battle. And we find that battle described in Ezekiel and also in a couple other prophets. And uh, it will be one where the Lord himself will engage the enemy because it's his throne, after all, that's being contended for here. Uh, that's uh, something that's not terribly far in the distance. And I think that's uh, going to be an, an, an opening event for the tribulation. So the, uh, he, he says, flee when you... Now we're past that point because we find the Antichrist is also trying to usurp that throne. And uh, he says, when you see the Antichrist standing in the temple, it's time to get out of there. Because the, uh, at the time, the, the last half of the tribulation was Jeremiah, uh, who uh, Trish mentioned, you know, spoke some pretty heavy stuff. He calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. It, it's going to be a, a difficult time such as they've never seen before. It says, how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and, women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, 
and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. And uh, it, uh, in Daniel and in Revelation, it tells us it's a three, going to be a three-and-a-half-year period. So uh, th- this is the, the thing that is coming. And so the question is when, because that was their third question. And we'll just move ahead a little bit in this chapter. It says, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Now, earlier that week, when the Lord was walking with his disciples, he he was hungry and there was a fig tree, so he went over to pick some figs and there was nothing on it. And he put a curse on the tree and it withered. And the disciples said, why did you do that? Well, what he was doing was illustrating what Israel is it was a nation but it bore no fruit they were god's people and they were without fruit and uh, he caused them to wither and now he in uh, just a couple of days later he says when you see the fig tree turning green when it comes back to life then you know that the season is near well we see the fig tree starting to grow no fruit but Israel, is, is, it's alive, it's a nation, it's, it's back again. And uh, we know that the time is coming, and it's, it's not all that terribly far away. And then he goes on to say that uh, even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. And uh, the generation that he's talking about here is the generation that sees the fig tree starting to green up, the generation that sees the reestablishment of Israel. And uh, we're that generation. We're the ones that saw that happen. And so this this is a a pretty clear indication that uh, the season is upon us. Now, that doesn't mean that we know the hour and the day, but we can see how time is advancing, and, and we can see that... We're living in those days when all of these things are happening. And uh, if you look at what's going on in the world around us, and and you should, then uh, you can see that the the situation is becoming more and more advanced uh, toward uh, all of these events that are uh, laying into the future for Israel. Uh, The the church also was interested and... uh, uh, we'll just take a look in Thessalonians because there the churches ask a question because they expected the Lord's return to be happen in their time. They were worried because some of their people were dying and the Lord hadn't returned. And they asked Paul, they said, what, what's going to happen to the ones that have died, you know, and they won't be here for the return of the Lord. And here uh, in, in chapter 4, Uh, the Lord sets them at ease. He says, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So he says the ones that have died, all the believers that have died, will be resurrected and they'll come with the Lord. And he goes on to say, For the Lord himself 
will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and after that we are still alive and are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll be with the Lord forever. And this is the event that's normally referred to as the rapture. Now, they, uh, there's a school of thought that believes the rapture won't happen until the middle or the end of the tribulation. Uh, this, uh, um, some believe it won't happen at all. And uh, th- this, this speaks about the believers being caught up to be with the Lord in the air. And those that have died uh, as believers in the meantime from when the church was founded until whenever the Lord comes will be the first because they'll be resurrected and then those that are, st- uh, are still living will be caught up. And uh, the, uh, he, he says encourage each other with these words. So he, it, you know, he admonishes us to keep this before us. And now, brothers, about times and dates we do not, do not need to write you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. And uh, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the rhetoric in the world is that we're uh, looking for peace. We're getting better. Uh, First of all, the Soviet Union collapsed. That's good. Less threat. And then uh, Osama bin Laden is killed. That's good. There's less threat. Uh, you know, things are not getting better. In spite of these things, the situation is still continuing to get more and more precarious by the day. And if we want to be realistic, we realize that. And then he goes on to say, but you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. So for us, we're not supposed to be overtaken by surprise. We're supposed to know what's coming because he tells us, you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We, we do not belong to the night or to the darkness. You know, we're enlightened by the word of God, so we are not in a position where we should be surprised or confused. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us be alert, self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this, of course, is a totally different scenario than the one that's... uh, predicted for Israel because they will go through terrible times such as never, has never been from the beginning of the world but to the church he says you're not appointed to suffer wrath that uh, punishment isn't for you and you know there's uh, one school of thought that believes that all Christians will be killed before the Lord comes it's the theory that I call the theory of the slaughter of the bride and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up because the Lord said, you won't be suffering the punishment because uh, that, that's for those that are guilty. It's not for the innocent. The Lord is just in all his ways. And uh, the, uh, so he, uh, for us, if we are believers, then uh, we don't have the uh, tribulation to fear. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. 
Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just in fact, you're, as you're doing. Now, one of the things that this really underscores for me is the importance of being one of the Lord's children. Because how can you, uh, how, how can you uh, think, oh, well, it's not that important, or I'll get around to it one day. Get around to it today, because the Lord may well come. The signs are there that we're in that season, and it's time to get our house in order, and it's time to be alert and awake and to know the time that we live in so that we can be ready. You know, the, uh, uh, when I was still working, the, uh, came, the, uh, we used to have our life rafts were in those round canisters, pretty awkward things to handle. And, you know, they were a bit of a job to launch and everything. And then uh, our supplier came up with the idea of uh, using those valise-type containers with the raft and the slide, and they were very easy to deploy and easy to get into. And they sent one down for us, and it was their first one. And uh, I I, I got a couple of fellas together, and and, uh, I said, you know, overnight when the ferry's tied up, uh, you guys can cut the bulwark out and then weld this cradle into there and install this thing in the side of the ship. And it was a, a fairly good night's work, but they were good fellows, so I wasn't too worried about them getting it done. So I went home, went to bed, and went to sleep. And I got up in the morning, and there was a whole bunch of new snow, and it was a really rough night. And I thought, wow, I left them out there in the night doing that job. And so I went down early to... Um, see how things had gone, and they'd done it. They were just cleaning the tools up, and they weren't in a really good mood. And But uh, I said, I didn't, you know, if I would have known, uh, we would have done it another night. And one of them said, well, we did it because we didn't want to disappoint you. And, you know, <laughs> boy, that really gets to me, because I'm just an ordinary guy. And there was no reason uh, that they had to do it. They could have been sitting in the cruise mess drinking coffee and there'd be no repercussion. They did it because they didn't want to disappoint me. Now, when the Lord returns, uh, each one of us have been left with a job to do. And uh, I just hope that he doesn't find us sitting around drinking coffee with the job not done. uh, It's really important that we don't disappoint him, that we do the things that the Lord lays out for us. And, that we, uh, you know, those guys, I, I still really like that crew. And uh, the Lord will really like it if he comes and finds that we've done the job that he appointed us to. Let's just pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we come before you and we know that your promises are true. We know that you said you're coming and that you are, and you've also said that all those who believe in you are not appointed to wrath. And Lord, I just ask that if there's anyone here who has not yet accepted you as their Lord and Savior, that that decision might happen today. I just ask, Lord, that when you come, that you would find us just cleaning up the tools from the job you put us to. And rather than sitting around and saying it was just too hard to do. And I just thank you for all of the uh, strength and the support and all of the word that you've given us and uh, the way that you guide and help us through every day. And I just ask that 
we would draw nearer through you by getting to know your word better. I ask in your precious name. Amen.